Hello everybody, welcome to the Williams Project podcast. Today we're going to be doing 20, no not 20, 10 Instagram questions. Now Blair is unfortunately unable to make it today, so I'm here with the lovely Rona, my assistant. Hey Rona. Hi Matthew, good morning. How is Cebu today? Sunny, very hot. Sunny? That's awesome. Yeah, I'm in Sydney. It's pretty beautiful here. It's probably like 20 degrees. The sun's out. Looking over the harbour, it's quite lovely. I do miss the heat of Asia, though. And I miss <laughs> my office, and I miss you guys. So, I did a story last night on Instagram. One of those asked me a question. And there's probably, I don't know how many questions, Rona, maybe 50 that came through a lot. 53 to be exact. Oh, was it? God, that was yeah. close. So <laughs> 50 that came through. And so you were going to select 10 random questions that I don't mm-hmm. know what they are. And mm-hmm. you're going to ask me. So we've done no planning here. Let's rock. Are you ready, Matthew? I was born ready, Rona. I was born ready. <laughs> okay. So question number one, banks are getting harder to get a loan. What are your thoughts on how to get a home loan? Oh, that's a good question. Uh So I'm going to give two answers. One is a good mortgage broker is worth their weight in gold. So for most people, I would just go find somebody experienced in the industry and I would ask them to refer you, say, two of the best brokers they know. I would meet with both of those brokers, build a relationship, and choose the one that you get along best with, and then use that broker. Now, that's not what I do. What I have done, and you're involved with this, Rona, is I have a document. I literally have every single bank in New Zealand listed and I have my key contacts, I have my relationship manager, and I personally grow my own relationship with each bank. So I'm constantly booking meetings with them, sending them financial information about me personally, about Williams Corp. Uh, if If they don't wanna lend me money for certain reasons, I'll ask why, and then once I've solved that reason, whether it be equity percentage or, or total borrowing or whatever, and I'm constantly in communication, I'm constantly building relationships, and I'm constantly making my banking relationships better. So you can choose one of those. Obviously the second one is harder, but gets you a better result. Obviously the first one, if you're just buying one house, I would just focus on a good mortgage broker. But if you're trying to build a property empire, I would focus on creating your own relationships like I recommended. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect answer. (laughs) So second, what was the first big purchase you made once you made your first million? Oh, my first big purchase. Well, I'll answer that in a few different ways. So obviously my first purchase was um, a house. So my first major purchase was a house and then I was purchasing multiple investment properties and I made my first million probably 21 roughly and I didn't buy any luxury assets at a million. Remember guys with inflation a million's not what it used to be 
But I'm actually wearing a beautiful gold watch at the moment. This is a, um, a Rolex Daytona solid gold with an oyster perpetual face diamond dial. Uh, it's beautiful. And I bought this watch when I was about 24. This was the first luxury purchase that I made. And I was making a lot more than a million then, and I bought a $60,000 watch. It's now actually worth about 150 grand. And then when I was about 26, I purchased a, when I was about 26, I purchased a sports car. And that was, that was a McLaren 600 LT. I bought it second hand. Actually, no, no, before that I bought a Rolls Royce. I bought a Rolls Royce, but I was making multi-millions a year before I started buying toys. Mm-hmm. Anyway, buy property first. And yeah. a million, a million, maybe you can get yourself like a watch, but don't go and be silly when you've made a million dollars. Focus on investing it, making yourself better, buying and investing. That answer was a bit loose. I didn't nail that one. I'll give myself six out of 10. Someone tried to actually <laughs> call me in the middle of it and it threw me off track. And this is, I need to apologize to the listener. I should have put my phone on do not disturb. I should have the basics right by now. Anyway, Rona, let's carry on. All right, third question. Who inspires you professionally and personally? Oh, that's good. That's a good question. You can't, you can't not mention Elon Musk. Like, Elon Musk, that man is an, absolute legend so from a from a a quality of character a brain a man who's making the world a better place elon musk inspires me from a a localized level i'm very inspired by nick mowbray and the mowbray family because he's only a tiny bit older than me and what he's achieved. I don't understand the entire family and, and the roles and how it works, but um, I know of Nick. What they've achieved with Zuru is absolutely incredible. He's actually on the cover of Forbes this morning. So from a local level, I find Nick Mowbray inspiring because we're in the same country. Um, I guess we're all semi-based out of the same city because I spend a bit of time and we're of similar ages. So I find him inspiring. And from a property level, I'm obviously inspired by my father. He ran a great business, Horncastle Homes. I'm inspired by Mike Greer. Mike Greer's been a very, very good operator in the New Zealand construction industry. And over in Australia, I'm inspired by Harry Triggerboth, High Rise Harry, who made Meriton. He's built like 77,000 apartments in every city you go to in Australia, you see a Meriton building. I can actually see one right now looking i just looked at the high rises and one of them is a american one so the man's a legend is from a personal level i don't really have like a a business matthew and a personal matthew like i'm really the same person like i'm not sure if you know Rona in the brief time we spent together how i speak to our staff and how i speak to you at work versus when we leave work and have a beer I'm pretty yeah. much the same. I don't really change. That is true. 
Yeah, so I, I don't have a personal and professional life. Obviously, you have like some intimate relationships with people that you wouldn't do in front of everyone in the office. But like the yeah, I, I, I am one person, and my my I am. Do you know what? Also, I'll probably mention Grant Cardone. That man's an exceptional salesman. He's an exceptional salesman. He appears to, from the outside looking in, he's made a huge amount of wealth. He has a family that he really cares about and a really close family unit. His wife actually has a book called Empire, and it's a really good book about just getting your family in order. I actually put that on your to-do list. Yes. (laughs) That's a beautiful book about getting your family unit strong and getting your family unit on the same page. So I, I do need to include Grant Cardone. And, and, and I'll just do one more person. <laughs> Alex Hamozi. I think Alex Hamozi is probably releasing the best quality business content in the marketplace right now. I think his business content's amazing. That man's brain is just unbelievable. Oh, and one more, sorry, Andy Frisella. If you haven't listened to the MFCEO Project podcast, it's now called Real as Fuck, or Real AF, Andy is amazing. Andy was actually probably a a big percentage of the foundation of the business education I have. I literally started at episode one of the MFCEO, listened to every single episode, implemented each step, and because it was called the MFCEO Project Podcast, and he literally just went through business step by step by step by step, what to do, how to do it, and that actually inspired this podcast because you'll notice it's called the Williams Project, and his was called the MFCEO Project. So we are doing something very similar to what Andy did of actually building a business and documenting the process and sharing that information so the next generation of business people can achieve their goals. Mm-hmm. So Andy Frisella and the MFCEO Project Podcast is really, really good. But you've got to go back to the original stuff. I, lo- I love Andy constantly, um, but he's very political now where the early content was very business and I found the business content very valuable. But that's because I'm interested in business and I'm less interested in American politics. So his, his current content is less relevant to me. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. next question. Next. How do you deal with stress? I think everyone can relate to this. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, there was a study that I read, and I'm going to paraphrase it. Stress was bad for 100% of people that thought stress was bad for them. So what you need to do is you need to change your thinking, right? So it's not, I have to do six meetings today, it's I get to do six meetings today. I get to walk into this beautiful Williams Corporation office. I get to walk into a room and people look to me for guidance. Like I get to wake up at 6 a.m. and have my first meeting at 6.30 because We've got so much work on, I need to work out how to extend my day. And isn't that fantastic how much we're doing? Because if you think of, say, your parents dying, that was the worst thing I could think of. Statistically, everybody has their parents die. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and you go back in time, and that was that. Well, that's part of life. That's part of evolution. So we have to change the way we talk to ourselves and the way we talk about our problems. Right. So we should not be as stressed as we are. We should not call certain things stressful that we could rephrase in our brain as not stressful. So I would say that 99% of what you call stress, you could rephrase in your brain as not stress. Right, so one. Thank you. But also, I then have a really unhelpful way of dealing with it where um, if I've had a, if I've had a day where several things have frustrated me, I am guilty of, of drinking a few glasses of wine as my as my end of day wind down. So and that's something I'm working on. I I don't I I, I want to reduce the amount of alcohol I consume in my life because I think that life is more than working, going to a nice restaurant, having a drink. Like I want to start having my life as I go to bed early, I wake up, I do more things like when I'm my next trip when I visit Cebu, you're booking me diving. We're going to do the um, whale shark and sardines. Whale shark. Yeah. I am planning that already, so you better so be life, excited. <laughs> I am so excited, and and I want to focus my life on things, not. I think drinking consumes too many people's life. But look, hey, if you've had a bad day, I must admit, a, a nice glass of red wine and just laying down, listening to a podcast is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay, next. How do you motivate others? Wow, that's, that's a good question. How do I motivate others? I, one, you need to lead by example. So motivation and leadership are one and the same. So one, I apologize. I'm getting a call again, even though I thought that I put my phone on silent. I'll put it on airplane mode. Um, so how do you lead others? Oh, sorry, how do you motivate others? The first, all, motorship, all motivation, motivation and leadership is combined, okay? And so the only way to lead is leading by example. So you must, whatever you want your team to be doing, you must be doing to the best of your ability. So if that is showing up to work on time, showing up to work early, you need to be showing up to work on time, you need to be showing up to work early. If that is innovating the company, you need to, it's like our 1% sheet we've just made, right? We've made a, we want to focus on our innovation, we want to focus on getting better. We've made a formal system to track where, how we're getting better and who's recommending it. Go look on that report and see who's put in the most recommendations. And it's me because I lead from the front. And anything I want the staff to do, I will do 10 times to prove leadership. It's like the, you go back in history, right? And you had, say, the pharaohs leading Egypt. This is probably an incorrect history lesson, and I'm going to have some people um, from that part of the world get angry at me. But, like, you have the pharaohs leading with a whip, right? And that was your archetypical ruler. So you have a ruler that essentially leads by fear. And then the Western world came along, and you had the king that got on the horse, 
rode out first with his sword and it was leading from the front, leading by example. And then essentially West Tech had a, had a very strong global influence. But I think it's not that, it's, it's that point I'm saying, it's the leading from the front. So yeah. how I motivate my people is anything I want my people to do, I try and do to the best of my ability, preferably more than them. And I also just have goals, I have clear goals, and I have a clear what's in it for you. So there's lots of commissions in the business where if you make the business money, you get paid as well. There's very clear progression where if you do your job well, there's opportunities to be promoted. There's lots of education where people feel that they're getting better. There's lots of encouragement around looking after your body and cutting addictions. I'm always talking about cutting nicotine addictions, cutting food addictions, cutting alcohol addictions. So we focus on getting people's bodies better, having clear goals, having professional progression, having education, and then having senior management absolutely leading from the front and achieving at a high level. And I think that keeps people motivated. That made me just want to be better. <laughs> because I personally, I was really amazed because I am your assistant, right? But when you mentioned about like me having a commission structure, if ever I get like, like I yeah. can be able to convert, I was like, that's not that's not supposed to be part of my like contract or something. But you included me, and that's just I found it really I found it truly amazing because you always think of your employees as well, not just you. Yeah, and but I also I incentivize the right behavior for the business. Like yeah. if you were involved in the business transacting, selling, mm-hmm. you, that sale might not have happened if it wasn't for you saying, hey, this person looks really good. So you should be incentivized and remunerated. So yes, I want you to have more money. I want you to live a better life. But it's also positioned in a way that is best for the business and makes the business stronger where everyone's thinking, right, where are the customers? How are we doing more business? Are we helping the right people? Are we finding enough people to help? So it's, it, is, it is for you, but it's also for the best interest and they, they harmoniously connect. Yes, that is true. And speaking of the 1% Better tracking sheet, what are you doing to be 1% better today? Wow, that is a good question. My, my main 1% that I'm going to work on today is I'm going to create an error log. So I learned about this in the book Principles from Ray Dalio. And essentially what an error log is, is any time you see a problem in the business, you log it. And so we essentially have this huge section of information of every single problem, right? And the employees that made the error are incentivized to log the error because if they log the error before management finds out, the chance of there being repercussions is significantly less, right? And if someone else sees a problem with another department, they log it through the error log. So imagine over, say, a month, we have all these errors, let's say 100 that we saw. We can then look through the areas and say, okay, what errors happened multiple times? 
oh, we can see this error, this error, this error. This is a multiple, this is a problem that's happening a lot. And then what systems and processes can we put in place so this error doesn't happen? So it's essentially getting the data and then management can make informed decisions about how to run the company better. So that's my 1% today. After this meeting, you're actually going to help me, Rona. We are going to make an error log, and then we're going to make the systems and processes of how to use it and get the staff logging errors in the error log. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next. We all know that you have an amazing business partner, so without a Blair in your life, would you be looking for a Blair? <laughs> yeah, that's a funny question. I saw that. Now, the, uh, I'm very, very lucky. Blair is absolutely amazing. He's my best friend, he's my business partner. I love the time I spend with him. I was literally on the phone with him for about an hour this morning. I, I love having a business partner. I love having Blair in my life. I'm very lucky. Now, there is a book called Super Founders, and it actually talks about the data about billion dollar companies and how many companies had one founder, how many companies had two founders, how many companies had three, how many companies had four, how many had five. And it had all this data. And essentially, the, there's, there's a myth, there's a common myth in the marketplace that you need two people that skills complement each other to make a billion dollar business. And the data shows, I think from memory, that that isn't true. And whether it's one founder or four or five, if you're gonna go out there and win, you're gonna go out there and win. I personally enjoy having a business partner. I enjoy having Blair in my life. I, I think that having a business partner removes a lot of the pain of owning a business. I think having that person that you are an equal to, that you can discuss ideas with, rant to, vent to, it has suited me and my personality very well. So to the people that are doing it themselves, that's awesome, and if that works for you. My father was a good example of this. He was very much a a one dog, one bone business owner. It was him, it was his business, he ran it his way, and I completely respect that as well. And there are lots of benefits to that, but me personally, my personality, Williams Corporation, how we work, how we function, I'm happy that I had a Blair and I think that was an important part of my life and my success. Nice. Okay, next. What are your tips for someone who wants to start into property development? Oh, yeah, I hate this question. Um, <laughs> no. Do you want I, not to answer this? No, no, no I'm going to answer it, Rona. We're doing it. So <laughs> I get this question a million times a day. And I, Blair and I make property development look too easy. We have all of the toys, we fly in private jets, we have the big boat, we have the cars, the watches, all the nice things. And so people look at us and they say, Matthew and Blair don't look that smart. Property development looks really easy. I want those nice things. So people then want to be a property developer. Property development is an extremely difficult industry. If you look at 
the bankruptcies each year, the list of bankruptcies, a huge amount of them are property developers. Even in the newspaper yesterday, another property developer went bankrupt. It is a very difficult, very challenging industry. I am hyper involved in the construction industry. My father was a property developer, my aunties, uncles, granddads, cousins. I have been on building sites since before I could walk in baby carriers. I trained as a builder. I owned a business for five years in the property industry before I did my first property development. My first development was one house standalone. I then progressed from one house to now thousands, step by step, day by day. I've been in business, this is my 12th year now, it's a long time. Blair came from a, a real estate background, his father was an owner in a real estate office. We gelled together very well, we got in the best people, we have the best systems and processes. I don't like recommending people to be property developers because it is very, very hard and lots of people go broke. But if you want my recommendation, it is go and buy one piece of land and build one house. Just go through the process and building one house, you will learn. And then once you've built one house, buy a block of land and build two houses and so on and so forth. But I don't advise people to be property developers, not because I don't want the competition, right? I don't care about competition. I'm, I believe we're the best. We're gonna be the biggest builder in New Zealand. We're gonna beat GJ. We're currently the largest privately owned builder in New Zealand. We're coming for Australia. I have no fear of competition. And I love competition, it motivates me. But I just, I don't like I don't like recommending people to be property developers because I know so many property developers go broke and I don't want to be involved in someone losing all their money. Mm. But start small and just build one house. And remember, it's really, 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 really hard. <laughs> That's a nice um, tip. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I get that next. question. As you manage my social media, you'll see that yeah. like million, your million times. Can you mentor me? Blah 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 blah. Which, hey guys, I, I love that you want to reach out to me, and I love that you thought of me. But I, I I'm, I'm not going to be a property development mentor. <laughs> I'm happy to be a business mentor, but I don't want to do the property thing. Mm -hmm. Next, what, what other investments do you do? Good question. Well, I invested about $200,000 into crypto, which is now worth about $20. Um, <laughs> so, no, look, I, on a serious note, I got caught up in the crypto thing. I think crypto's dumb. I have a tiny, tiny share portfolio only because I wanted to just learn what shares were like. So I own about $100,000 worth of shares. It's, it's inconsequential in the Williams Corp empire. But I just wanted to learn how to buy shares, what a brokerage account looks like, have my share at. I, I just wanted to see that. I have about 20 Williams Corporation investment properties that I own personally. And then I have my house and some other things but no I don't I don't actually short of the 
$20 of crypto and the $100,000 of shares, I own nothing outside of property. I am all in on Williams Corp and property as an asset class. As I get as I get older and I build my wealth more, I might have a, a share portfolio. I like the liquidity of shares. I think that's definitely something that is beneficial. So I might carry maybe 90% of my wealth in property and put 10% in shares, I don't know. But I'm, I'm very much, I believe completely and utterly in property as an asset class. And, and I'm pretty much, for the sake of the story, all in on property. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now we're down to the last question. And I think a lot of people would want to know, any updates on your book? <laughs> oh, very good <laughs> question. So we, we, are, we have written a full manuscript. It's 55,000 words. I... I think that it is 85% of what I want it to be. I'm now going through the process of challenging my thinking, challenging my ideas, making sure that each chapter is the best possible chapter it can be. And I'm going to do a huge reduction in words. So I want to go through the book and try and remove 20% of the words so it's sharper, more precise, easy to read, efficient at giving the use of the information. So for those that don't know about my book, the book is called, um, shit, I don't even know the name of my own book. Eating. Chewing glass, chewing, eating glass and drinking champagne. Champagne, yeah. And I think that summarizes business very well. And essentially what it is, is it's a brief intro to me, a brief intro to Williams Corp. When I say brief, I mean very, very brief. And then it covers every aspect in business and how I believe it should be done. So it goes on how to do your goal setting, how to do your marketing, how to do your sales, how to um, manage yourself personally, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's it's a, a tactical manual to succeed in business and in life. And it's something that I'm quite proud of. I've spent a lot of time on it but I also want to make sure it is my best possible work that I can produce. So I want to spend another, I, I could publish it today, but I think that if I, if I spend another two months on it, we will get a far better quality book and it will be more beneficial to the reader and the reader will be able to absorb the information and implement the lessons faster by us being more precise and cutting more words out. And also, have you read it yet, Rona? <laughs> no. Not yet. I am I can so sorry. I will, I will read it, I swear. <laughs> so you can actually help me with that, though. That's the yep. main thing. We need mm-hmm. to just be taking words out. So while you're doing your proof, I just want you thinking, what words can we take out? And how can we give this information to the listener faster? Got it. When I, I say will. listener, I also mean reader. And I will read mm-hmm. the book to you. For those that know me, I am, I'm probably dyslexic, but I hate the label dyslexic. I'm going to read a whole lot of books out loud. Um, I'm going to start doing this each evening so I can read the book to you so you guys can all listen to it as an audio book. Yeah, that's, well, that's, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. 
That is yeah. us. We are done with the 10 questions for Matthew Horncastle. <laughs> cool. So as you guys know, I take time out of my day to give value to you. If you believe that this podcast helps you, there is a fee. Please share it with one like-minded friend. If it didn't help you, if it didn't provide value, you don't need to worry about it. Thanks very much. You're legends. Have a great day.